men can have sex in a dark basement. But, right. you know, the, the women are going to probably respond more to some, if the room's picked up and cleaned. If there's some candles in the room, if you've got a little music going, you, you've gotten the temperature right, you you know, you made the bed carefully. So there's, there's that beauty element that is just, one, it's one small piece, but it's something that a man can do to set the stage. Is the connection between the two of you strong? And if it feels like you're, you're like two kind of partners in life rather than two lovers, you know, you might want to do some things to establish some connection. Who master the ability to generate that safety in their woman are men who not only have good relationships, but also feel powerful in their relationships. And that's an art that you can learn. When you're with a strong woman, um, being mm-hmm. a strong man doesn't mean that you have to overpower her. Because if if you're going to get into like a power struggle with me. Listen <laughs> mm, to that laugh. Yeah. Check the last five other guys, see how they're doing. Exactly. Whatever it is, it's just this feeling of it, like he would protect me. He's got me. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, he has this habit of, all, even when he's super busy, he's got this habit of asking me, can I do anything for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The conversations you're about to hear are intended for mature audiences. If adult themes are offensive to you, well, grow up. So dirty talk, so yeah. sex talk. Yeah, it, it started off as dirty talk. I was actually like very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, so you want to have sex with other people, that's what you're saying. (laughs) And you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah. And then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Oh, yes. This is Consenting Adults with Lena Wynn. My guest today is a relationship coach who works mainly with men, uh, and particularly men who are in relationships with strong women. Let's welcome to the show, G.S. Youngblood. You've written this wonderful (laughs) book, The Masculine in Relationship. I cannot wait to hear what you've got to say. And uh, I'm going to be a tough customer because I'm one of those strong women. Uh, Uh So so let's see what you you got for us. First (laughs) of all, what's your background? I come from Silicon Valley. I had a long career in Silicon Valley as a tech executive and over time found myself getting more interested in people than in technology. And (laughs) of course, in the background of in the middle of that tech career, I went through a pretty tough divorce. And so that, you know, the idea of like, how can I be more in my power in relationship was very real for me during that time frame because I had a relationship that was ending at a time where I did not feel in my own power in that relationship. So that's, that's really the culmination of where I got to kind of my, my low point in my life. And at that point I got involved in a lot of men's work and authentic relating work. And after about 12 years of that, of both learning, practicing, being in real long-term relationship at times, taking everything that I learned and codifying it into the lessons that you see in the book. And that's, that's what produced the masculine in relationship. So today I'm talking to you on a professional level. However, I love to get personal. So (laughs) what is your relationship status now? (laughs) Well, you did get personal fast, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm just going to slow down while I share this. I actually came out of a long-term relationship uh, in January and I am taking a year to heal. And uh, my, my plan is to re-enter the world at the end of the year. Do you find yourself or have you found yourself in relationships with women you'd describe as strong women? 
yeah, I seem to gravitate towards that. I, you know, the last 20 years for me have been mostly two primary relationships, long-term relationships, and both of them were very, very strong women. And I, I learned a lot about that. In, in the first one, I crashed and burned. I didn't know how to be with her. I was very attracted to her when I met her in business school. I was very attracted to her, her competence, her wit, um, her strength, her, her directionality. And what I discovered is I didn't know how to be with that in partnership. And so that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. Subsequently, after some dating, I, I was in another seven-year relationship with a, with a woman who had a very strong feminine and a strong masculine. She, she inherited both from one each from her parents. And that was really where I had my laboratory of seeing what worked, what opened her, what had me in my power and more available for her and what didn't. And over the course of that relationship, I, I honed what it is that you uh, that you see in the book. So I, I would say that I have I have a lot of experience with with strong women. Okay, so you described uh, you said strong masculine, strong feminine. What what are you talking about? So I think you're asking me what what do you mean by a strong woman, and what do you mean well, by but. Yeah. Because normally when, I think normally when people think of the word masculine, they think mm-hmm. strong, manly, you know, whatever, right? Yep. But just a moment ago, you said that she was both strong, she had a strong masculine and a strong feminine, I think is mm-hmm. what you said. Yeah, um, but she, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about energies first before we assign any genders to them, you know, because that's where a lot of people can get tripped up. So if we're just talking about energies, you know, the masculine is defined. And by the way, the masculine energy as manifested in either a man or a woman, women can have this just as well as men can. Um, directionality, clarity, goal orientation, steady and not steadiness, but there's a certain stillness to it. Um, and these are all these are all qualities that are that are masculine energy in either gender. Now, the feminine, a little bit harder to define. So you have to please take this definition as as my take on things. I think there's a lot of other definitions out there, but she had a very strong feminine. She was nurturing. She was a steward of the connection between the two of us. And if the connection was severed, it it registered for her as pain in her heart and she would let me know it. And if, if I was doing things that were not fostering connection between the two of us, she would know it and she wouldn't take any she wouldn't take less than my full attention to our connection, my full presence in the moment, uh, my ability to have my own clarity and decisiveness. And so she was a, a, a vanguard for that and reflecting back to me when I wasn't in my own masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the she was her laugh, her smile. She radiated uh, pure feminine energy, uh, which was such a joy for me uh, to be around that. So that's a little bit of the definition of what I mean by she had a strong masculine and a strong feminine energy. Okay. I'm I'm liking this ex-girlfriend, Gias. She sounds <laughs> she sounds like a catch. <laughs> um, okay. Let's try to dive in here because mm-hmm. I'm um when you talk about a strong woman, even today, right? I think a lot of people uh, and let's say society as a whole kind of automatically want to describe a strong woman as a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people still view the strong woman as, wow, she shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. But so many of us are. Like, I, I am. I'm, I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm not afraid to speak my mind and not mm-hmm. afraid to ask for things. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see is a strong woman? When you say strong woman, what qualities are you talking about? 
Well, let's first uh, just acknowledge that we're talking in the context of relationship here. I think you can have a lot of other contexts around describing, you know, a strong woman or, or otherwise. So I want to just make our context around relationship. I think that's where my area of expertise is. And it's, you know, if I'm, if I'm not fully present in the moment when we're spending time together, this is an example. So if I'm not fully present, I'm, you know, we're trying to have alone time and I'm on my phone or I'm thinking about something else and I'm not tuned into her. I'm not noticing what's up for her. That is me really disregarding the connection in her, in her, what I, what I think of as her feminine leadership is to be the vanguard for our connection. She's, she's not going to put up with that shit to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to call me out and say, I don't feel your full presence. You know, if I'm not keeping my word and saying that and doing things that I say I'm going to do, she's going to call me out and not settle for less. I mean, some women might just take that behavior and accept it. And over the years, it's going to build resentment in them. A woman that's who's a strong woman is not going to stand for that. You know, this is just, again, one example. But she's going to hold firm to that and know that that's what she needs in relationship. She needs her man to be present. She needs her man to follow through on his word. And she's not going to settle for less. So that's one small piece of uh, what I'm trying to describe here. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. To me, the, the, that, that word is demanding. Um, I've always described myself as being a very demanding person. Mm-hmm. So whether it's professionally or, you know, with my kids, it's, it's that I expect a lot, but I, I, I give a lot and then I expect it in return. I expect the same effort, right? The same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but so many people, if you hear, oh, you're a demanding person, uh, it sounds negative. Well, there's a, I think there's a really interesting distinction that we can make here. Um, oh, this, this, you know, let's just take this archetypal woman that I'm talking about who's, who's demanding her man's presence and reliability. When we say demanding, let's, let's take a cut deeper. There's two ways to do that. There's two ways she can have a harsh tone saying, you need to do this. Um, this is unacceptable and, and telling the man what he needs to do. That's one way to do it. That's, that's going to be closer to that side. I think you use the word, the bitch, uh, uh, or complaining. The other way to do that is for her to express how painful it is when her man is not present and how painful it is when she feels like she can't rely on him and exp- give a clean expression of the pain in her heart, but not, you know, that's not being soft. It's, it's in no uncertain terms she's expressing that. That's a very different way for, for someone to be in relationship where they're not telling you what to do and shaming and blaming because that's more on the toxic side of things. Showing your heart and saying that hurts when you're not present, when you're not fully present. I feel alone. I feel like I don't matter to you. you know, that, that could be the narrative. And so there's, there are ways to be 100% clear and rock solid in what you need as a person. I mean, I think we're talking about women here, but this goes for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a way to do it with blaming, shaming, demanding, telling somebody what to do versus saying, this is what I need and, and I feel pain when I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as important then, once you're able to voice those issues and concerns, is how the other person responds to it, right? Yes. Uh, yes. And, which I say might even be more important because sometimes when we're hurting, we don't always express it the way we should. Exactly. It's never going to be perfect. This is what I coach men. One of my favorite quotes in the book is, hear the pain, not the blame. Because of course, the, her expression will, you know, sometimes or often come across with a little blaming and shaming. You need, to, as a man, need to be big enough energetically to, um, 
to tolerate that, some of the more toxic elements into it, and hear how she's hurting. Because really my experience is when, when the women I've been around and that I know, my experience is that when they're at their uh, edgiest, I'll say, it often means they're hurting the most. And if you're with a woman and you're in love with her and you want to protect her and want the best for her, you're going to be able to see past that and see that she's hurting. And it's going to be less defensiveness and more like, oh, my baby is hurting. What's going on for her? Mm-hmm. And so it's empathy. This is all things I go through in the book. You know, it's empathy and it's attunement to her mm-hmm. and what's really going on for her. And this is what I'm trying to coach men on. And it's the big one because defensiveness is, is really the number one killer of connection that I've experienced in my own life. Yeah. And oh. my clients. Yeah. I had come to the point in my life when uh, starting a new relationships and it would be fun talk, but I pretty much tell them, listen, like when we have a fight, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hear all these excuses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the first thing that works for me is to hear that you're sorry you did something, even inadvertently, that hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. And then you can explain yourself. Yeah. But the one mistake that I hear so many men make is you start defending yourself and totally. giving all these excuses. And then an hour later, well, I'm sorry. And then at an hour later, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, exactly. You're already shut down by then because you don't feel received, I'm imagining. GS, at that point, I'm just pissed off that yeah. I had to work that long for an apology. Yeah, yeah. You and so, <laughs> you and so many women. Yeah, it's yes, so I true. Know. And it's, I, let me bounce something off you. What I heard you say was, I want to hear the sorry. Here's my experience is there's different kinds of sorry. There's the throwaway sorry that some men throw out there. Oh, and, and we know those when we hear yeah, them too. You're going to see right through that. My experience, and this is what I'm bouncing off of you, is no. We, you want to first feel that he feels you, like he gets where you're hurting. Yes. And then from that place, it's whether it's sorry or some other more connective type approach. Um, but you gotta you gotta feel like he gets you first, and it's not just oh I'm sorry. You know, right. Sorry, so, yeah. Okay. I want to hear acknowledgement that you see you see the pain that yeah. don't dismiss it by trying to explain it away. Yeah. Don't try to talk me out of it why I shouldn't feel that right. way. Don't blame it on me and don't shut down and just withdraw. Those are all right, the worst right, things right. that I could do. Yeah, yeah you, that's exactly it. How about what I saw in your book that jumped out at me, mm. whether it's in you know re- romantic relationships or any relationship, is how you mm-hmm. react to people. So when you hear that something's wrong, yeah. it's reacting versus responding. You've got this great portion in your book about that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give the larger context. So the book is organized into three sections, as you know. It's a three-part blueprint is what I call it. It's a blueprint for a masculine core. It's the three elements that I think if men embody these three elements, then they're going to be more in their masculine energy in their life. And so the first one is what you pointed out, respond versus react. And so this is the quality of a man who moment first of all he's got a quality of groundedness and stillness that you can feel like especially the feminine you know you can feel it immediately sometimes you can feel it from across the room without even being in conversation with him and this is a a quality that a man can develop they could be born with this if they've got a really settled nervous system and they manage to avoid a lot of childhood wounding but even if you're like the rest of us who, who didn't avoid that you can develop that through the embodiment practices that i share in the book but it, it's also characterized by, you know, it's a man from moment to moment, he lives out of choice. So he's not just reacting 
sort of unconsciously to the stimuli of life, whether it be a challenge at work, a challenge from another man, or the, being challenged by his own woman. He's choosing how he wants to react from moment to moment. So a man who's defensive is being reactive. Like he's, he's just on autopilot. He's gone. Because and here, here's the chain of events. Woman gets, his woman gets mad. He doesn't want to, you know, anxiety starts to arise that he's being judged as uh, not good enough in some way. Anxiety arises at all costs. He's going to try to make that anxiety stop. And to do that, he's either going to withdraw, defend, explain, or blame. Those are things that will make, in his mind, will make the anxiety in his own body stop. And that's why, you know, respond versus react is so important. You've got to develop that capacity to really respond out of choice and intention rather than just unconsciously. I've been a strong woman all my life. I don't know Mm -hmm. another way to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you hear the things about opposites attract. And I've been in a lot of relationships where I'm the stronger person. I'm the Mm -hmm. more, uh, like, the you know, the stronger willed person. Uh, You know, you would say that I wore the pants, although I hated that because actually, (laughs) to me, that's that's not attractive. Yes. Like, strong women don't want weak men. Yeah. It's so true, which makes it hard for people. a strong man. Yes, yes, which makes it hard for for people like you because you need somebody that has more, uh, not will, but has more clarity, more structure than you so that you can can probably relax back when you're with this person, I'm I'm guessing. Right. And they're hard hard to find. Well, it it feels like, um, you know, when when people don't challenge you or don't, um, oh, I don't know, like... I've heard a lot of girlfriends describe ex-boyfriends as, oh, he didn't have a backbone. And I hated that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's part of the thing where you just, like, I needed a man to say no. Yes. I needed a man to stand up for himself, stand up against me. And I wanted structure. And I always used to think it was kind of pop psychology, you know, saying that you're attracted to your dad, the, mm. you know, the type your dad is. <laughs> And then, but then as I grew older, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe that's actually true because mm-hmm. my dad, military background, very mm-hmm. strong, you know, yeah. but I always ended up with men who were so kind and sweet. Not that there's anything wrong yeah. with that. Right. But I lost interest fast. Yes. Can you be a strong man and still make it work with a strong woman? Absolutely. And that's the whole thesis of the book, which is. We live in a modern world. Let's not pretend it's the 1950s. What's the model of masculinity that works in today's world with strong women? And it's not about kowtowing to your woman. Uh, and it's not about giving her what she wants as some model of masculinity. No, it's about being fully in your own power and being able to honor her. And I think the crux of it is, I think we have to go into the psychology here of, of, of this, this dynamic you're talking about. You know, a man gets with a strong woman. She's got so many, um, she's got her own view of what she needs, what she wants, her preferences, needs, wants, and boundaries are. Like she has a good sense of herself. And so men, we just want things to be uh, smooth. And so we, you know, unfortunately, subconsciously, we're searching for the path of least resistance. And so with a strong woman, that man actually tends to start to regress over time. Because he's thinking, well, okay, she's got this strong opinion on how things should be. If I'll just give it to her, we'll have peace. It'll be great. And that's I, my experience of talking to women is they say that's great at first, which is what you just said. Because, yeah, you're like, this man is so easy to be with. And then reality starts to set in. You're like, wait a minute, where are you? Like, I don't know how to orient around you because you don't seem to have clear 
you know, wants, needs, preferences, and boundaries. And so, as you said, it starts to uh, to get unattractive to the point where it starts to go to contempt and complete loss of attraction, you know, in relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really dangerous situation to be in. It's almost irrecoverable if it goes on too long because most men just think this is a lost cause. I can't even, I can't even be with this woman. She's, you know, she, she holds on so tightly and they, and then the man just goes into full blame. The woman's in contempt and shut down. And then, you know, you have a, you have a relationship that ends that point, whether it ends in fact or in spirit. Um, that's where, that's where it typically leads. Mm-hmm. This episode is going to be so much more different from every other episode that we've had on the show. Uh, so I'm going to have to try to kind of steer us in this direction for one moment for the mm-hmm. listeners who expect to hear something about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you actually do talk about this thing you called sexual leadership mm-hmm. in your book. Mm-hmm. What is that? Yeah, there are so many men, and I've been there too, who they're complaining that they're not having enough sex in their relationship. And they've gone into this mode of waiting for her to magically show up aroused, you know, on any given day or night. And they wait and they wait and they complain and they get shut down and they feel rejected. Like for men, I think more so than women, although I think there's a different flavor for the women. But when you don't want to have sex with us, we feel rejected, like you're not attracted to us anymore. And... Here's what I coach men. I say, look, you can actually lead her to her own sexual openness. You can lead her to her pleasure. You can lead her to her arousal. You just have to know how. You have to create the conditions that really open up her sexuality. And so in the in the chapter on sexual leadership, I go through seven conditions uh, that are really necessary for uh, for a heart open. I mean, excuse me, for sexual opening. And let me give you the, just a few of the basics of those. You know, the, the easiest one is you've got to set up the environment, you know, to if you've got laundry laying all over the bedroom and the bedroom's <laughs> a mess and, you know, you sort of both just collapse into bed after work and, you know, there's nothing special there. Like, OK, she may or may not feel sexual, but she's not going to be necessarily lit up by her surroundings. And my experience is that the feminine is more attuned to the beauty of the surroundings than men. Men, mm-hmm. You know, men can have sex in a dark basement, but, right. you know, the, the women are going to probably respond more to some, if the room's picked up and cleaned, if there's some candles in the room, if you've got a little music going, you, you've gotten the temperature right, you, you know, you made the bed carefully. So there's, there's that beauty element that is just, it's one small piece, but it's something that a man can do to set the stage, to set the right environment. And so now that's just one more, I'll say tailwind. Uh, to her sexual openness. Um, another is to really establish a heart connection with her. And what I mean by that is if you have, if you've sort of been kind of doing your own projects and you haven't really been feeling connected more often than not, she's not going to be feeling sexually open because heart connection, I think is one of the number one things women need to feel in order to feel sexual in most cases, that doesn't, that's not an absolute. And so men, you know, think is the, is the connection between the two of you strong? And if it feels like you're, you're like two kind of partners in life rather than two lovers, you know, you might want to do some things to establish some connection. You know, you might want to sit her down and have, 
session of, of deep sharing about some things, you might want to go back and maybe clean up a little argument that you kind of let blow over yesterday or the day before and try to clean that up and clear it out because that's going to open up the heart connection between the two of you. So, I mean, I could go on forever about the things that establish heart connection, but that's, I'm just giving you two examples out of that list of things that the man can do that are completely non-sexual mm-hmm. to, uh, to create the conditions where her sexuality can now arise. And there's, you know, five others on that list in the book. And then, and then there's a whole section. It's not on sexual techniques so much, but it's on different things you can do uh, to really bring her into her body, bring her into her heart, warm her up slowly. And that's one of the things that men really don't understand how to do. It's to, how to warm their woman up and warm them up slowly. And so I go through all of that in the book. And um, that's, that's sexual leadership. That's you as the man saying, okay, I'm going gonna, gonna to quit waiting. And I'm going to create the conditions where her sexuality is more likely to arise. I don't know how much you have listened to or looked into alternative um sexual lifestyles like swinging and polyamory. Do you know much about that at all? Yeah, I've trained in BDSM. Um, oh. So I'm familiar with, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I've trained in BDSM. So, um, what do you mean it, you've trained in BDSM? Um, I've, I've done workshops, uh, here in the San Francisco area and, um, uh, and have incorporated that into my own practices with people I date, um, you know, when it's appropriate. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm reasonably well-versed. Oh, Okay. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, um, as people get a little bit older, you know, mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. know, women, especially, I think they become a little bit more comfortable with themselves, mm-hmm. right? They kind of more comfortable in their skin and they kind of care less about what other people think. And then yeah. they start to realize, hey, I've like taken care of people all my life and yes. th- it's time for me. Yes, And then they start voicing stuff more, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like, so uh, maybe the woman who used to be okay with the husband not paying so much attention to her or whatever kind of starts coming out of her shell and Mm -hmm. expressing that unhappiness more. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that obviously makes sense to you, right? That 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 would be the progression. Yes, absolutely. Um, So many people end up then divorcing when they're in their 40s because of, that problem where the woman's just not going to take it anymore. Do you think it's salvageable when you're in a relationship and suddenly, I mean, there has to be some signs of like relationship is in trouble, right? What are some of these signs that we can look for before it gets to the point where you're like, okay, this isn't going to work? Chronic irritability, criticism, uh, chronic criticism, uh, chronic lack of sexuality and, and feeling sexual. Um, you know, those are some of the easiest ones, you know, and, and then it gets into that contempt stage. And, and you've, you've read any of the John Gottman work, you know, he talks a lot about contempt as one of the number one indicators. And so, you know, I can generally spot it from across the room when I see a couple and how they're interacting. I mean, unless. Oh, they, really? Yeah. I mean, you can just feel it in the way that they look at each other and the way that they speak to one another. Even if you're not hearing the words, you can often sense it. And uh, it's tragic, actually. This is one of the things that drives me. I don't want to see anybody in that situation. I don't want them to see them, them make the mistakes that I made years ago. And it is recoverable, which is one of the questions you asked. It's absolutely recoverable. And um, 
I mean, I, it's not a one size fits all, but I can say that it fits a lot, a lot of situations where the man needs to come into his masculine core. He needs to be more grounded. He needs to be setting direction through his own clarity, his own decisiveness, his own understanding of what he wants. That's, that's part two of the blueprint. And he needs to know how to make her feel safe, emotionally safe, physically safe. And these are the things that, you know, a lack of safety is what shuts down women usually most quickly and also is the thing that chronically becomes chronic and kills the relationship. So a man that knows how to create emotional and physical safety in his woman. These are all things that, you know, after when you hit your 40s or your late 40s and the woman is just she's so tired of this depolarized relationship. Um, this is the kind of thing that can bring breathe new life into a relationship. And I'm going to give you one example and I'll stop talking because I know I monologue there. Um, one of my clients, his, his wife came to him, you know, they're in their forties. His wife came to him and said, you've got two choices. Uh, we can either get divorced or I'm going to take on a new lover. You have 30 days to decide. Hmm. And that's the stage in which he came to me. Wow. Yeah. And two months later, she retracted the request based on the work that we did together and in the new way of uh, being that he was bringing to the relationship, which was not only not only in their in the daily life, but it was also a lot in the sexual arena. Like she just felt the nice guy energy throughout their entire marriage. And so I worked with him on his what I call his dark energy. And he started to bring more of that into the bedroom. And lo and behold, she retracted her requests. And wow. they're still working through it. It's not like everything was just peaches after that, but she did retract the request, which gave him a chance to get back in there mm -hmm. and, and change in relationship. And it was beautiful. I was, I loved seeing that. You know, you were just talking about um, making your woman feel safe. And it really resonates with me because when you're a strong woman, this is just a person, but especially when you're a strong woman and people see that you got your stuff together and you're taking mm -hmm. care of everybody and you've, you know, on the outside, you're strong. Mm -hmm. um, no one asks if you're okay. Mm -hmm. No one asks if you need any help. Yeah. And I'm now on my second marriage and mm -hmm. it is so incredibly, it's amazing. Like, I feel like a teenager when we're together, people are like, oh, my God, the way he looks at you. And I guess sometimes I don't see it, but other people mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, it's beautiful. But what, what's really awesome is that I feel like everything's going to be okay. And I know that's, I don't know, maybe that sounds corny, but, and really, like, nothing's happened. He hasn't had to rescue me from anything. Yeah. But whatever it is, it's just this feeling of, it, like, he would protect me. He's got me. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's he has this habit of oh, even when he's super busy, he's got this habit of asking me, can I do anything for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the first few times he you. asked me, I was like, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> um, and it has never become like, oh, just a throwaway line. Yeah. I feel like he means it. Like yeah. as busy as he is, I feel like if I said, yeah, could you do this? He would actually stop everything down and do it for me. Yep. And whatever that is, it's just, and it, you know, it's just words right now, but I believe him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that just creates this really, um, I don't care how strong of a woman you are. I think everyone needs to feel like their partner would be able to take care of them. And yes. I'm, I'm not talking financially. I'm just saying I need a man who's going to be able to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. If, when, and if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
Let's start, you know, on the, on the topic of emotional safety, one of the things that makes the feminine feel unsafe is when she feels dropped by her man. And, and by dropped, that means generally he, he, he sort of forgets about you in the moment. He gets so engrossed in his own life and dro- you drop off his radar, at least in, in your mind. And the act of your husband checking in with you and saying, you know, hey, is there anything I can do for you? I'm imagining that you don't feel you don't feel forgotten by him. You always feel like he's got a little bit of his radar on you and he's tracking you in life. Right. You know, mm-hmm. not not in not surveilling you. That's not what I mean. In life, he's just tracking you and you're he's tracking your emotional state. Like, oh, you had a fight with your sister and like, how are you doing today? Because I know mm-hmm. you were upset last night. Um, that's the kind of thing that I think you're describing. Is like you always know that you're in his radar and he would then completely shift that radar to you when needed. You know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't, he wouldn't quote unquote drop you. That's what you just described it perfectly, Lena, is that's yeah. emotional safety. Oh, it's, it's, um, yeah. it's amazing. It is. Um, and, and let me say one more thing about it. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Men who master the ability to generate that safety in their woman are men who not only have good relationships, but also feel powerful in their relationships. And that's an art that you can learn. Right. And, and you know what? It, like, it affects the children. So, like, my kids from a first marriage mm-hmm. absolutely love him mm-hmm. because true. he has this, I care for you and I'll take care of you mm-hmm. kind yeah. of way about him. Yeah. Um, but yet he's very easygoing. It is such a weird, weird dynamic because, like, everyone who knows me knows I'm very independent and I'm, <laughs> I'm very strong. And he seems like, oh, the greatest, nicest guy. But there's just something about him where mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah. give in to me. He doesn't yeah. always say yes. And as stupid as it sounds like, there were two adults in this relationship, finally. Uh, that's how yeah, I it feels feel. Good. <laughs> it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the thing is that there's a common misconception that being masculine is kind of like being alpha. And that's, that's not it. I can tell you that's not it. That's that's the toxic form of it. Right. Um, that's the part where they overemphasize on my second element, which is provide structure because they, they're kind of domineering everybody else, but they're forgetting about the safety part. And I think your, your husband falls into this, cat, not that category, but into a category of he is, he's strong, but he's, he's in his heart. And so he's a caring man, but he also has a fiber to him that where he's not a pushover, but he's also not needing to try to be alpha to show you that, you know, he's strong. That's very different. And one of the most counterintuitive things about the work I do with my clients is the amount of heart work we do, given that we're talking about masculinity. But this is how you can be powerful but loving. This is how you become larger than life. As I told one of my ex-Marine, totally alpha dog uh, clients, I was like, this is the path that's going to make you larger than life in your Mm -hmm. woman's eyes. And so that's, that's what we're working on for him. That's awesome. What you were just talking about right now was what I was thinking in my head and trying to figure a way to ask about that or talk about that. And that is when you're with a strong woman, um, being mm-hmm. a strong man doesn't mean that you have to overpower her. Because if if you're going to get into like a power struggle with me. Listen <laughs> mm, to that laugh. Yeah. Check the last five other guys, see how they're doing. Exactly. It's, Still it's, licking their wounds. <laughs> I think it actually takes a stronger person not to have to win the argument, mm-hmm. right? It takes a stronger person to not be the louder person, not not be the bigger as in, you know, pump in your chest kind of person. Right. Um, and there's a real balance. And it's, I mean, it can be tricky. I don't, 
I can see why there's a need for a book and for coaching because men and women think and operate differently. <laughs> and it takes a third person to tell you what you need to do or what your woman needs because sometimes when your woman tells you, mm -hmm. you don't yes. hear it. Yeah. You don't believe it and you yeah. don't know what to do. Yeah. Whew. All right, G.S. Youngblood, thanks so much for joining us. The book is called The Masculine in Relationship. For right now, he's a single man. We may have to check up on you by the end, at the end of the year, G.S., to see how, how you're doing on that front. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> uh, thanks for talking. You're awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you, Lee. That was a lot of fun. G.S. Youngblood talking about masculine sexual leadership. I almost feel like I gotta pay them for a therapy session now. Okay, next time on Consenting Adults, they call themselves the Accidental Swingers, and there's good reason for that. And I and I texted Tristan and I said, "Holy shit, they're swingers!" And I just agreed to everything, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what I've agreed to. But guess what? Because in like three weeks, we now have to figure this out. That's next time on Consenting Adults.